0: Hey there, everyone. My name is Ari and welcome to Made of Metal, a motivational podcast where we tell stories about regular people overcoming insurmountable odds. So hello, hello again, everybody. Always a pleasure. So this week, the individual that we'll be um, chatting with this week has a unique perspective that I thought was relevant, number one, being in a post-pandemic society, and also because I know a lot of the women that I speak to about the podcast, a lot of the people I speak to in general are in the roles that the individual today is in as well. And while I'd never had somebody on the podcast who actually had a story to share, I just knew that this was just a great opportunity. And I also feel like it is a essentially a perspective that is not often talked about, is not often even approached or broached because there's so much dogma surrounding roles and expectations. So with all of that, I wanted to ensure that the things that I'm sharing, the people that I'm chatting with are relevant to you guys and that they uh, resonate with you. So And I personally, as you guys always know, I have to share, I personally love chatting with this individual. I felt like she was had such a strong energy. And it, it was obvious in chatting with her. So without further ado, I wanted to say, hey there, Marla. Thank you so much for being on. Hey, Ari. Thank you
1: so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. Yes, absolutely. So I'm a nurse practitioner. And, um, you know, I just always knew that I wanted to be a nurse. I I was one of the fortunate ones because not everybody knows what they want to be when they grow up. Oh, yeah. So, you know, (laughs) I did all the things right. You know, I went to nursing school, then I went and got my bachelor's, then I went and got my master's. And um, then about six years ago, I was hit by an 18-wheeler. And that just, it just turned my world upside down. Because, you know, at that point, I went from being a provider, which is, you know, all I knew what to do, to being a patient. And being a patient is totally different. Now, you know, I I mean, I knew about being a patient because, you know, I would go to like regular checkups and things
0: like that. But I didn't know about being a patient. <laughs> right. Right. There's knowing and then there's knowing. Knowing, <laughs> knowing too much.
1: <laughs> right. Right. And yeah. And and now that the knowing too much is just such gave me such different perspective. But before I go there, just um let me give you a little bit more of my story. Yeah, so from there, when I had the accident, that accident rendered me disabled. And so I went from working a lot. I was working in my second year as a nurse practitioner. So I went from working, I don't know, about 10 hours a day to sitting home. I'm a single mom. And so I'm raising a nine-year-old. He was three at the time. And then my mom is also living with us, so um, there were a lot of moving pieces at that time. My mom was really helping um, me with my son, but you know she's older, and you know she just wasn't doing the things that um, that yeah. I really wanted to do. The them.
0: support that you need at that point, being um, yeah, having to still be a mother, but also having to take care of yourself. Right. Right. And
1: then dealing with the depression and the worthlessness of, you know, trying Mm. to figure out, you know, why is this happening to me? Yep. Mm
0: -hmm. You know,
1: I was a quote unquote good person. Right. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. You know, I did
1: everything right. Um, So I just had to get over that. But what what I really, really want to share with your listeners is, is that transition between from provider to patient. There's one thing about taking care of people and hearing about, you know, the stigmas that patients go through,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, you know, hearing the statistics over and over again, you know, I was thinking about it last night, you know, sometimes, you know, we hear those statistics and we become kind of numb to them. Um, you know, statistics like physician's undervalue Black women's pain. You know, when they go into the doctor and oh, they complain yes. about pain, you know, they don't listen.
0: Yep. You know, yep. and
1: you know, I had heard that. Troubling. And heard so that. troubling. Right. And I was just like, yeah, uh, you know, okay. Um, or that when you go into the doctor's office, you know, they'll just kind of not really listen to you. And the doctor will just like walk out. You know, I mean, I, I had heard other patients complain about that, but you know, I had never done that to anybody. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. you know, so I was like, yeah, you know, maybe that happens, but you know, it probably doesn't happen as much as, you know, I thought it did.
0: So I'm, I, I, I am curious, how long had you been a nurse practitioner? How long have you been a nurse practitioner? Well, at that time, I had been a
1: nurse practitioner for, let's see, I had been a nurse practitioner for four years.
0: Okay, gotcha. So you yeah, a good amount of experience of dealing with patients and seeing these sort of things.
1: Yeah, because before that, I, I was a nurse for about 10 years.
0: Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So that's just really framing it from you've had the long-term experience of being the caregiver, of being, of being that person, of being in that role.
1: Right. Right. And, and I had worked both inpatient and outpatient.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: And, you know, I was fortunate enough to work in really good clinics, you know, where I just didn't see a lot of what people had talked about that they were experiencing, you know, or, you know, what you hear on the news, you know, about patients being neglected. I, I just didn't see a lot of that. But as a patient, I have a whole new perspective, I go in into the doctor's office and I tell, you know, my doctors that I'm in pain and it's like they write it down and then they're like, okay, that's great. <laughs> What's next? <laughs> you know, it's not like they're not really doing anything about it. And it's, it's so frustrating. Um, you know, I feel that frustration that patients, you know, are now talking about.
0: Mm, First hand, essentially. First
1: Exactly. First hand. And not only as my, for myself, but like my mom recently fell and we had to go to the hospital. Mm -hmm. We sat in the hospital for 10 hours and that is not an exaggeration.
0: Oh my gosh. You so often hear about these horror stories with the emergency room as well.
1: Right. Right. But I had never experienced that. I mean, I've Mm -hmm. been to the emergency room before, but I've never sat for 10 hours without a physician touching a a patient. You know, I've been seen, you know, or, you know, touched or, you know, taken care of. But we sat in that lobby for 10 hours before a physician even touched her. And, you know, that was when I thought she was having a stroke.
0: Mm. And I mean, yeah, which is a time sensitive thing. Like you have got to act quickly. Yes. Exactly. And, And yes, you know, the
1: nurses had seen her and yes, she had been scanned, but like nobody had come to talk to us. And like I said, you know, a physician had not examined her. Or nurse practitioner. Mm. So, I mean, it it was just, it was really mind-blowing that things like that happen. And if I wouldn't have been with her, because there were other people there that were there before us that didn't have family members with them that were there to fend for themselves. Mm. And it it was just, it's just been, like I said, eye-opening. I don't know what other word, you know, to say that's that's kosher besides eye opening.
0: (laughs) What, I mean, clearly this is for you as the nurse practitioner entering this space was shocking to you. How did you feel? I mean, of course- viewing it from, you know, taking care of your mother from that perspective, how did you view it from your own care perspective? Were you also sort of experiencing sort of a a minimization of your, of your pain? Were you feeling heard? What was your kind of experience? Absolutely.
1: No, I I don't feel heard at all. Like I, um, I've been waiting for a device to be replaced. I have a stimulator and it's, what a, what this back stimulator does is that it tricks my brain into thinking that I'm not having pain. And I've been waiting for this device to be replaced for at least six months. And, you know, I go in there and I beg for it to be replaced. And they keep giving me some excuse and some excuse and some excuse. And, you know, I mean,
0: it's it, six months. Goodness six months. Gracious. What is the typical timeline, I guess, for, because that just seems excessive.
1: Well, you know, I know that insurance is involved and I know that it does take a while for insurance, but it shouldn't take six months. Like, I I, I have no idea what the holdup is, but the exasperation and that feeling of, I just give up, I'm just, you know don't go show up and leave. I mm. I, th- I mean, that's really where I'm at now. I'm like, you know, it doesn't matter what I say, you know, I'm just going to go.
0: <laughs> and, oh my goodness. You know, I mean,
1: cause I'm, I'm just so frustrated. Oh
0: gosh. I mean that, uh, when you're at the mercy of another system, I I cannot even imagine how, like when you say frustrated, I, I would even use a stronger word than that, that's got to be just enraging to have to sort of be at the whims of what somebody deems, what is valid for for your own pain. You are the expert on what, exactly you know, <laughs> what you determine is your pain level. When you first sort of entered this space of moving from being the provider to the patient, what uh, sort of resources did you use to manage that that mental health and emotional health portion, because I know that's a big part of recovery. That's a body-mind thing. So what sort of um, resources or tools did you use to sort of help you manage that space and sort of bring you to a place now where you can be honest about where you are, which, you know, with the medical care and working through the medical system, but also understand also honest with you are that you are worthy, that the way that the medical system is treating you is not indicative of your own personal worth, if that makes sense.
1: No, it does. It does. And actually, I'm really glad that, that you asked um, that question. Yes, I was actually looking online for a job because, you know, I didn't go to school for six years to sit at home. And, you know, I mean, I'm thankful that, you know, I'm on disability, but on the other hand, you know, at times, you know, I still have that useless feeling, you know, I feel like, you know, there's got to be something that I can do, but, you know, it's hard, you know, because of consistency and, you know, I never know when, you know, my pain's going to flare up. Like I've been down for over two weeks because, you know, my back has decided to flare up, but, um, as far as mental health, i I ended up getting on antidepressants, and I also um, yeah of saw course.
0: no shame in that at all.
1: Oh, right. They, you're right. There absolutely is no shame in that.
0: But I know that there but, is a stigma. I do but know there is that a people. Stigma. Yes, right. I do know and, that, and that's why I wanted to say that because when people. And I actually, I actually felt like there was a little bit of hesitancy for you to say like, and I had to, you know, start antidepressants, but I do not want people to, like, that is normal. Antidepressants are, are something that is very much necessary and needed. You're treating your brain chemistry. There's only so much that you can do, but like the chemistry of your brain, you need this stuff. So it, it's taking, it's medicine. It's helping you for sure.
1: And, and, you know, and, and I preach that as a provider, right? And, and see, and see, there goes that provider patient switch, right?
0: Mm-hmm. But as a
1: person, you know, telling people, hey, I take antidepressants. Sometimes is is hard. I mean, like I, I have other nurse friends that, you know, especially the ones that are, you know, going through divorce, you know, th- they don't want to tell, you know, the person who they're going through a divorce with that they're taking antidepressants because they don't want them to use that against them in court.
0: Oh, yes. You know? No, I have heard. I have heard of that. I have heard of that. Right. And, Which is I mean, crazy. It's,
1: it is. It is totally in. Sane, But, but yeah, I, and I still take antidepressants and, you know, I'm here to tell you, I couldn't get through the day <laughs> without my antidepressants,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know,
1: but, you know, medication alone, um, is not the, in my opinion, is not the answer either.
0: Yes. Yep.
1: It has to go hand in hand with, with therapy. And, um, and, and I did go to therapy Mm-hmm. But the frustrating thing about that is with Medicaid, Medicaid will not pay for social workers, will not pay for their patients to see social workers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, licensed social workers are more than qualified to see patients, you know, and be counselors. And so it's hard for people who are on Medicaid, and I'm, I mean, Medicare, and I'm on Medicare because of my disability, mm-hmm. you know, to find a counselor. So instead of me, you know, continuing to look for a counselor that it was hard to find or I didn't mesh with or whatever, I ended up paying out of pocket. And oh, and then man. when I paid out of pocket, I mean, that was fine for a while, mm-hmm. but, you know, then it got to a point that I couldn't afford it anymore. And like right now, I haven't found another therapist because of the fact that, you know, they're few and far between. hmm because Medicare won't let licensed social workers, at least in the state of Georgia. And I, I believe it's everywhere. I don't think that it's just the state of Georgia, you know, be counselors. It's, it's crazy. You know, it goes back to insurance, you know, kind of being in charge.
0: Oh, gosh. And I've worked in the insurance industry and it is, it's really insane in terms of how much money you pay into your premiums and how much actually gets paid out to you when you need it. And it's, yes. to me, it's just, it's absolutely heinous in a way in that this is money that you, is your money. This is your money. So you should be able to disperse it for your medical needs as, as you see As fit. you see
1: fit. That's right. I agree. Have I
0: agree. you had to lean on any sort of like tools that are are free or any tools that are accessible without insurance?
1: I can't think of... Any, I I know that there was one that I was going to look into mm-hmm. um, for counseling that did sliding scale, but then that was I don't, I don't remember. I think that there was like a conflict with my son or something, and so I I didn't do that. Um, but gotcha. but then I, I did find a nursing grant that helped me. You know, like oh, awesome. when I was personally struggling. So mm-hmm. um, so that was really helpful. I, if I could remember the name of it, I would even you know, tell, tell you, but I can't remember the name off the top of my head. No, no problem. But one thing that I do want to make clear is, you know, I'm not bashing the healthcare system and Mm -hmm. i certainly don't think that this is, is nursing's fault. Yeah, Um, of course. You Mm -hmm. know, I, I really feel like this is an administrative issue, you know, the administrators, cause you know, right now the nurses in, in New York are striking Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, the issue with my mom being in the, um, the ER for 10 hours, you know, the issues with, with me not having my, you know, stimulator, you know, s- some of that, you know, I might put on the provider, but anyway, but, but yeah. you know <laughs> most of the issues, you know, I really feel our administration and mm. insurance, you know, and, and the reason why is because, you know, these providers are seeing more and more and more and more patients.
0: Mm-hmm
1: you know mm-hmm. and you know like the nurses you know they're striking um i know part of it is they're striking because of patient ratios um because you know the patients are getting sicker and we're needing to see more patients
0: and it's i mean it's it's just a lot gosh so, it's so so multi-layered so and it's i really like i said i really appreciate you coming on and really explaining again your experience as a nurse coming from the nursing field and transitioning to a patient and what you have observed, because it validates a lot of the experiences I'm sure a lot of patients are going through. And to hear it from an, a, a nurse who's been on both sides is um, so important, so impactful. Before we um, wrap up, is there anything that you'd be interested in, in leaving with the audience?
1: Yeah, you know, I just want to echo something that you said that I'm not sure that I fully answered. Yeah, absolutely. Just remember that you guys matter. And, you know, if there is something, you know, that you need from your doctor that you're not getting, um, you know, fight till you get it. Or if you're not getting it from that doctor, go to another one. But, you know, make sure that you're taken care of and don't give up. I know it's easy to give up. (laughs) but don't give up. And, you know, if, you know, that person isn't helping you, then maybe look into getting a patient advocate or taking a family member with you, you know, or something of that sort, but don't, don't just give up because, you know, you, you matter.
0: So necessary. So necessary. And, great words, especially again in the medical space where we can sometimes feel so overwhelmed, we can feel so unheard and feel like we don't matter. So it is important to to be your biggest advocate, to understand that you, you are enough. Your needs deserve to be met. So, Marla, I very, very impressed. So, so inspiring. I love how you've been able to keep such a good attitude through all of this. And it's evident when you share how passionate you are about it. So thank you so much again for for coming on. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Yes, you're so welcome. So guys, again, like I said, I really loved Marla's story. I really loved chatting with Marla because I felt like the, in this post-pandemic society where so many of us are dealing with these issues, hearing it from an expert in the field that you are not crazy, that this is happening. I really hope that this has, has helped you and has helped you understand the importance, again, that you matter and to be your biggest advocate. So, With that, you guys, as always, if you're loving the shows, you're loving the series, please leave a review. Please share with friends and family. Know that I love each and every one of you. And please do not forget to bloom where you are planted.